0: God is a good God and he is so all of the time. It is a blessing to be able to be alive and just be moving on our own this morning. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord and in worshiping him in spirit and in truth for there is no other being who is worthy to be worshiped like the Lord God Almighty. It's it's good to be alive. Amen. I'm just trying to see if you, if it's good for you. <laughs> uh, it's good to be alive. <laughs> uh, God is a mysterious <clears throat> God. God does some things that you can't figure out. There are some things that you think God should do that he does not do. And when he doesn't do it, you feel some type of way about it. As I stated the other day, we, some of us believe God is like a genie in a lamp. Whenever we rub, you come out. Whenever we ask of our three wishes, you should give us our three wishes. And when we do not get what we want, then we... It out on God, and God is the last person you should ever have an attitude with because you are who you are because of God, and God is certainly a good God, and He He does all things well on our behalf that we may reach the full benefit of ourselves. You are not who you are now versus who you're going to be later. God sees you not in the now. He sees you in the later. You shouldn't see yourself in the now. You should see yourself in the later. Because that'll help you push to become your best self in the now. I wish I had somebody up in here. Question, I want to throw this question up for us uh, this morning. Last week we had another question, and every week that we come, we want to just present these questions that we may be able to think on our lesson before we get into our lesson, and we put these questions up in between service and Bible study, that it can help you focus on what is coming. And the question on this morning is, Are you assisting the shepherd in looking for lost sheep? And so I want you to just think about that this morning as we deal with the course of this lesson. And this, of course, is a a series. We're calling it the Easter series. He left the 99 to rescue me. And this morning, we want to talk about a lost sheep. And those who are with us online, we welcome you to our worship It's good to have you with us, and we hope that what is said today and what is done is pleasing to our God and uplifting to to you. And all this month, we are going to be in Luke chapter 15. Now, what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to jump over the coin and go directly to the lost son. And on the fourth Sunday, I'll come back and retrieve the lost coin that has been lost in that of a lesson sermon for the fourth Sunday if you don't mind go to Luke chapter 15 y'all doing all right this morning y'all got enough rest last night Uh, y'all seem tired amen y'all just seem tired and it's okay if you're tired because sometimes you're mentally tired he left the 99 to rescue me a lost sheep. A lost sheep. Remember I started last week and I started off in verse number 1, 2, and verse 3. We didn't go past verse 3. And verse 3, the Bible says in Luke 15 verse 3, watch this here. In Luke verse, verse 3, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, now, There is a reason why verse 3 appears. Y'all remember why? Verse 3 appears, and he spake this parable. The the chapter does not start off by, and he spake this parable. Because you need to know why he is speaking this parable. And so verse 3 says, and he spake this parable, saying, why did he speak this parable, because remember they had what two groups. One came to what hear. They came to hear Jesus. That was the who. Tax collectors and s- sinners. Tax collectors are the collectors are the worst kind of sinners to the Jews. But they are in the midst of Jesus. And then you have the prostitutes, the winos, uh, the, the, the criminals, and everybody else. And then he says, the scribes and the Pharisees came, but they came to murmur. There are two groups in every setting. Now, in the setting of the church, there are those who actually come to hear the Lord versus those who come to murmur. Now, this morning, we're blessed this morning because everybody came to hear. Amen, somebody. And not come to murmur. Now, he says, and he spake this parable. Remind yourself, this is not three parables. It's one parable viewed in three different windows. It's one parable. Remind yourself that we talked about the parable is an illustration with meaning. It's real life to those who hear it. Now, what you need to understand is, is this. What you need to understand is this. Well, maybe I need to stay right here. You need to understand this. In order to understand the Bible, you have to understand the Bible. That don't make no sense, right? If you do not understand the culture, the custom, the religion of the day, the language of the day, how will you understand what the Bible is saying? And then how can you make the right application? So you have to do this. You have to ask yourself, what is the original intent? The only people who knows the original intent are the ones speaking and the audience who are listening. Now you and I were not there. So we don't know what the the original intent was. And because we don't know what the original intent was, you rely on men who write commentary or you rely on a good studious preacher who knows how to exegete a text. And you have to fill in the what? The gap. Now in order to fill in the gap, we call that in theological schools and seminaries, seminaries, hermeneutics, right? Hermeneutics is simply filling in the gap. It's scripture interpretation, but if you do it right, you are filling in the gap. And what we have to do, Sister Gertie, is this: is we have to fill in two thousand years of gap. And if you don't understand the original intent, then you won't understand the meaning of the Bible, and then you won't be able to make the what the practical application. So, you got to rely on this hermeneutics, how to exegete the text which it's extracting from. Now, let's see how we can do this this morning. In Luke chapter 15, remember verse 3, and he spake this parable. Remember what the scribes and the Pharisees were murmuring? He welcomes the sinners, and he eateth it with them. I want you, I w- I want you to see this because you can't, you're not going to be able to get this if you don't see this. And I'm trying to, 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 to place the pieces together so you can, you can understand this thing here. Jesus is talking directly to these Pharisees and scribes. Church, be careful, and that's even to myself. Be careful that you don't turn into a Pharisee and a scribe. Don't, don't think you cannot become a Pharisee and a scribe. See, a Pharisee will lift himself so high. And don't understand if he fall, how hard his fall is going to be. You are not above anybody in life. I am not above anybody in life. All of us walk on the ground. We all walk on the ground. We're all the same. And as Brother Gathers made mention this morning, the only difference between us and the world is we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And because of grace, we are saved, not because of our works, because all of our works are not good. And we cannot rely on ourselves and the human nature because the flesh desires to do wrong. But it wars against the spirit. And so you have to understand what is happening. Jesus is targeting the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees and scribes says, this man, I think that's literally what he says, this man, eat it with sinners. Now, verse 4 of the chapter, watch this here. He says, what man, what man of you, having what? Come on, help me with this. Having a what? If he lose one of them, do it not leave the what? In the wilderness and do what? Stop right there. And go after. Now, park right here just for a moment. Talk right here just for a moment. Now, remind yourself yourself he's talking to who? Scribes and the Pharisees. Now, there's more than the scribe and the Pharisees here. But the Pharisees and the scribes came to what? They're murmuring. Remember last week we talked about humming bees. It literally means they were sounding like humming bees throughout the crowd. They were gone to one person, to the next person, to the next person. He eat it with sinners and the, and the publicans. he eat it. They were trying to what? Contaminate the minds of those who came to what? To hear. They just didn't come to hear audibly. They came to comprehend what Jesus had to say. What man? Hmm. Of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, do it not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and do what? And go after that which is lost, adverb of time, until he what? Y'all with me this morning? Watch this here. Culturally speaking. In the Old Testament, God is looked at as being the shepherd. In the Old Testament, Israel is looked at as being the sheep. In the Middle Eastern time, in the Middle East in that time, what they did was fathers would not teach their sons to become shepherds. Now stay with me. And the reason why, because they believe that you could not keep the law and keep sheep at the same time. So they would not teach their sons. Now, watch this here. It is a funny thing that Jesse, David's father, had all of those sons, but the only one you hear about being a shepherd is only one. In the Middle Eastern day, it was looked down upon, it was frowned upon uh, that the fathers would not teach their son the trade uh, of shepherding sheep. Now stay with me. By the time you get into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they would not trust shepherds. Shepherds was not trusted because one of the things, they thought that the shepherds would take their sheep and intentionally harm the land of the Jews. They would not trust the shepherd. So now I want you to understand, culturally speaking, this is frowned upon. Now I want to show you something. When Jesus comes and he speaks this parable, when he begins verse 4, he does not say scribes and Pharisees. He comes in a... Aggressive and offensive way. Because remind yourself, it is a trade that is looked down upon. You do not become a shepherd. They don't even address Jesus as a shepherd. They address him and others as rabbis. Shepherds was looked down upon. So so watch this over here. So Jesus targets the heart. He comes in a very aggressive manner and offensive manner, and he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, what man of you, having what? A hundred sheep. Wait a minute. What did he just say? What did what, he say? What manner of man, of you, having a hundred sheep? We're we we not shepherds. Shepherds are looked down upon. They can't even be trusted. But when Jesus addressed them, he does it on purpose. He does it on purpose because Jesus always speaks to your heart. If you don't know it, don't tell nobody. Luke 15 is the heart of God. Are you listening to me? I'll give that to you for free. Luke 15 is the heart of God. and By the time I finish this series, you will understand what I'm saying. It is the heart of God. Luke 15 has to deal with, and then I'll give you this lesson and it'll be yours. It has to deal with a number of things, and, and I don't, you know, expect you to understand all of this. Uh, Luke 15 <laughs> deals with rhetoric, right? And if you're an English major, you, you, you understand these things here. Rhetoric is persuasion communication. <laughs> uh, you want to try to persuade, right? Luke 15 is also poetry. Because it deals with... Uh, It deals with what is known to be step parallelism and inverted parallelism. And inverted parallelism is something that it uses a series of words and thoughts that is followed by another series of words and thoughts, but it's in reverse order, right? Uh, You don't have to understand all that this morning. I'm just trying to show you what it is. Uh, The other thing it deals with, rhetoric statements, all right? And, And all of this rhetoric... Uh, rhetorical statements and rhetorical climax. And the rhetorical climax, in other words, is this. is when the shepherd finds the sheep, put it on his shoulders, bring it back, call it friends together, and they rejoice. That's the rhetorical climax. When the woman finds the coin, and she calls her friends together and they rejoice. That's the climax. When, when the, the sun uh, is back and they throw a party, that's the climax. When 99, uh, he leaves the 99 in the wilderness and uh, he, 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 he brings uh, the one sheep back, that's it. But then when the angels rejoice over one sinner, then rather overnight, that's the rhetorical climax. You understand that? That, that? That's what it is. All of that is found in, in Luke 15. Luke 15 is not just Luke 15. Without understanding, Luke 15. Y'all, he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, do not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after it which is lost until he finds it. Pharisees are trying to figure out why Jesus is doing what he's doing. Why is he calling us sheep or shepherds? They didn't see themselves a shepherd. And a shepherd in the Middle Eastern would not say, or would not say at times, I lost my sheep. They would say, the sheep strayed from the flock. In other words, they would not say, I dropped the dishes. The dishes fell from my hands. They would not blame themselves. I like Jesus. I like him because he comes right down the middle. He don't hold no punches. He comes right down the middle. And he says, he says, remember, a parable is a what? Illustration that's real, that has meaning to it. He says, What what man? What man? What man of you having what? A hundred sheep. Notice he didn't say two sheep. He didn't say three sheep. He didn't say fifty sheep. He said what? A hundred sheep. Because The 99, I found this out, the 99 was left with an assistant to the shepherd. The shepherd would go out and put his life in danger for only what? One sheep. And the ninety and nine would go with the assisting to the shepherd. And the assisting to the shepherd would take the sheep. And he would walk the sheep all the way back to the shepherd's home. When he got home, the community would rejoice. The community knows what kind of shepherd he was. Based upon the treatment of the sheep. Jesus is telling these Pharisees. <laughs> y'all are some y'all are some fools. Y'all don't even understand. I claim one reason to clean your stuff up. He's trying to get them in the mind frame of a shepherd with some sheep. That is lost. Jesus says he came to his own and his own received him not. Jesus says they are sheep with, with, I'm I'm just waiting for you to catch it. With, with, ooh, come on, Sister Gertie. Without a shepherd. Jesus is telling the leaders of Israel, y'all are shepherds. Who because of your behavior, because of your wanting to show your appearance as somebody that you were not. The Pharisees and scribes were more about appearing righteous rather than being righteous. They were concerned about their outward look, but they didn't have no inward change. There are people who want to look like they're holy by getting dressed on Sunday, toting the Bible under their arm, uh, coming, sitting down in a pew, uh, listening to God, uh, but never changing uh, on the inside. You just look like you're holy. Pharisees would walk around looking at folk to see if they were keeping the law. And if they didn't keep the law, they would take their whip out, in other words. And they would scourge them Verbally, because they were not keeping the law. The Pharisees were more about habitually going through the motion of doing what the law said. But the law never done them any good. Jesus comes. And Jesus, they didn't whisper in his ear. They didn't go to Jesus and say, he eat it with the sinners. And and he he welcomes them. They didn't go to Jesus. They went to everybody else. It's a funny thing how people, if they really want to help you, why they go to everybody else and don't come directly to you? You're the one who need the help. Why do you want to whisper to everybody else about what he's not doing or about what he's doing wrong? Why don't you come to the person who's wrong? Jesus says, having a hundred sheep, lose one of them. Don't leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost. Notice the last part, until he find it. Jesus would tell these Pharisees, you foolish men. He said, y'all don't even see what's happening here. He says, one reason why I came is because of what you didn't do. He says, I came to do what you failed to do. He says, you are shepherds of Israel. He says, but y'all part the problem. Y'all helped scatter the sheep. And you don't even have the, nerve, uh, the, 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 the knowledge to know that it's y'all's job to go after the sheep. Y'all don't even know the sheep is scattered. Y'all the shepherds of Israel. I want you to see this. Jesus says, I'm here to do what you did not do. I'm here to clean up what you messed up. And y'all have the nerve to murmur about the man who came down here to help fix what y'all broke. Watch verse 2. Watch verse 2. Jesus ain't playing, y'all, right here. He is not playing. Verse 2, verse 5. Watch this. And when he had found it, when he found it, remember the last adverb of time, until he finds it? That means you're going out with the intention of finding what? Your sheep. It's your sheep. Jesus was telling them, God placed you over the sheep. And you're walking around here among a scattered sheep. And when Jesus says, they are like sheep without a shepherd, they didn't have no shepherd Jesus. Because their shepherds became idols. Even leaders in the church today, preachers, elders, deacons, got to watch themselves. You're not an idol, you're a human being in need of the the grace of God. The Pharisees got beside themselves. And we can get caught up because we come to church, we know a couple of scriptures. We put a dollar and 30 cents. We take the Lord's Supper. We sound churchy. Huh? Somebody ask where you go to church and you can tell them where you go to church. And you can do this and you can do that. But it doesn't change anything. God is more concerned about you changing than about you looking like you have a certain image and you're not. And here he says when he found that Jesus was trying to get these men to see something mentally. He wanted them to see y'all are some of the problem. Israel or the Jews were the way they were because these Pharisees were the way they were. Uh, He says until he finds it and watch this here. He laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. Boy that's that means y'all that he rejoices from the time he from the time he lays eyes on his sheep, he places the weight, and a sheep may run about 50 to 70 pounds. Now, depending on what type of shepherd, you're a shepherd like me, 50, 70 pounds, depending on how far you got to walk, that's going to wear down on you. But watch what he does. He rejoices Because of his sheep. The Pharisees did not see Israel as their sheep. They they did not see themselves as as shepherds. They They were doctors of the law. And I'm not fighting doctors of the law, but whenever you see yourself just as a doctor of the law and not a shepherd, they would not eat with their sheep. Hello, somebody. They would not eat with them. Table fellowship last week, they didn't eat with the sheep. They didn't eat. They were above the sheep. And if you are above the sheep, how can you lead the sheep? You need to stand in front of the sheep, not above the sheep. You lead the sheep. You don't drive the sheep. You drive cattle. You can't drive flocks. And they were leading, they were leading wrong. And the Bible says in verse 6, watch this here. Verse 6, the Bible says, and when he coming home, he called together his friends And his neighbors saying unto them rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. You never know how long you're going to be out there looking for your sheep. But the intention is what? I am going to look until what? I find him. I'm gonna look until I find him now. Now, watch Jesus now. He came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. God's people was a lost people. The Jews were lost, but they come out of salvation. They come out of Moses and Joshua. They come out of kings and prophets. They come out of judges. They were a saved nation in the Old Testament, but by the time here, they were lost and the leaders didn't care. Just as long as we look good in the eyes of the people, but they were stinking in the nostrils of God. You ought to be more concerned about how God views you than everybody else. It's a funny thing how we act. We are more concerned how we look, how we are dressed, how we smell, versus than how we are viewed by God. And as a child of God, we have to understand it is not about how people view us, and it's not that people viewing us is not important. But it's what is more important, it is how God sees you. The question would be, is God pleased with how I'm living? I wonder how many this morning, if Jesus would come right now, I mean right this moment, right now, you know you couldn't do nothing to change it? You know you couldn't run anywhere? You know you couldn't do anything? You know you couldn't go run and get something? You know you couldn't go five years back into your life? You couldn't go five years forward into your life? You would have to deal with whatever is coming what next? I wonder... How many of us right now would be ready to stand before Jesus in judgment? I mean right right now, not not tomorrow, not next week, not five years ago, not five years ahead, but today, right now, this moment, we'll stand before him and be ready to be judged by him right now. And here's the deal about that. If Jesus came right now, none of us can blame him and say, wait a minute, you didn't warn me. You didn't shoot a text out, Jesus. You didn't shoot no email out. You didn't do nothing. You didn't shoot no sign in the sky. You didn't do nothing. You just came unexpectedly. Jesus would say, well, what, what you been doing all this time? My question to you is, if you are not ready today, right now, this minute, second, you can't blame Jesus for that. You got only yourself to blame. What are you doing with your time? See, these shepherds were not using their time wisely. They spent more time with themselves than spending with the sheep. If you're a shepherd, you ought to smell like sheep. I say if you're a shepherd, you ought to smell like sheep. If you're a herdsman, you ought to smell like a herdsman. If you got chicken, you ought to smell like chicken. I don't care what you have, you ought to smell like what you are over. And watch this here in verse number 7. Watch what happens in verse 7. The Bible says here, I say unto who." Now let me stop right here. Because there's a subject, three subject matters that's in the text. One, it's one, O-N-E. Number two, Y-O-U, you. And 99. Jesus says in the beginning, Which one of, which one of, which one? Which one? And then he says, which one of you? Having what, 90? Which one subject of you subject? Having 99 subject. Jesus wants them to know what the subject matter is. When you're talking about something significant and important, you need to talk about Address the subject matter. Jesus says, Is one is you and is the 99. And so he says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented more than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. You miss your shout because this don't even make sense. I have 99 righteous folk. One that is wrong and one repents. And you mean to tell me I'll get more of a celebration from one person who changes their hearts over 90 and 9 who is righteous? The thing that gets me why, when people repent in the church, we ain't celebrating? I'm trying to find a celebration face, or whichever we say a celebratory? When people repent, change of life, and they come back to church, why are we not rejoicing? Hello, somebody. The Bible says, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in the heaven over one sinner that repented, more than over 99, 99 just persons which need no repentance. If heaven can rejoice, then why can't those on the earth rejoice with them? Or is it because we don't see them like Jesus sees them? Have you ever been lost? Some people say I was lost in my house. Have you ever been lost? It is a terrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling. You you want to sign anything? Show me show me a. You know, like on the Wizard of Oz, which way should I go? Somebody help me here. It's frightening when you're lost. You're scared. You're afraid. Because you're at a point point in a place in your life where you don't know what to do next. And that's the sheep that's out there. And what sheep is something else? Because a sheep will graze with his head down. And he'll graze here. And if you don't watch him, he'll be over yonder. And before you know it, he'll be way on the other side of the fence, grazing. Sheep doesn't know he's lost. He's just eating. That's why he needs a a shepherd. There's another side to that, because he does not know his life is in danger. And God, Jesus, was telling these no-good Pharisees, these people's lives are in danger, and all you can see is your life. They got sheep that is lost out there, and he's telling them, he says, you sit here and you do nothing about it. I want you all to know the Pharisees are going to be judged by the way they treated God's, God's sheep, but don't sit too comfortable in high and mighty because you're going to be judged as well. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the leading shepherd. And I want you to know, the question earlier was, You were you were assisting the shepherd in bringing back the sheep? Now, only you can answer that. Only you can answer that this morning. You, only you can say, well, Villas, I have been reaching out to the delinquent members. I have been reaching out to even folk who are delinquent in my own family. I have been trying to reach out and bring back the lost sheep. The ninety and nine just persons which need no what? Repentance. Or maybe we see ourselves as the ninety-nine who need no repentance. Maybe we see ourselves like the ninety-nine who need no repentance. Repentance. Maybe we see ourselves as the 99 who need no repentance. I don't know about that 99, but I am not in that group. I am in the group who needs a shepherd to come and rescue me. I am in that group who needs a shepherd to pick me up when I have fallen down. I am in that group to be on the shoulder of the shepherds because I'm too weak to do it for myself. I am in that group that needs to be brought home to hear others rejoicing, that they can build me where I am broken, where they can encourage me where I am discouraged, where they can give me strength where I am weak. I am the sheep that has gone astray and in case you don't know yet you are the sheep that have gone astray too isaiah 53 for all for all are like sheep who have gone astray all of us and there is but one shepherd who comes to rescue us and that's Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior I, I don't know where you are this morning But I tell you one thing, you need to get in the pasture where Jesus is leading and where he is feeding. I want you to know something today. Those Pharisees, yes, the parable is for the Pharisees and the scribes, but the right application is for both you and I. You and I are like shepherds. It's our job when our brothers and sisters go out there and they don't come in here, it is our job to go out and make an effort to rescue them. That's our obligation. That's our duty. That's what God wants us to do. Your job is to go after lost sheep. And our job is to bring them back wet Home. And when they come back home, we don't say, where you been, child? You have been gone six months. Where you been? What happened to you? When your mama was living, you were coming every Sunday. Now that she's dead and gone, you ain't coming at all. What's wrong with you? No, 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 no. That ain't your job to bash people when they come back. The Bible says rejoice. The Bible says rejoice. And you ought to celebrate them. You're not celebrating their sin. You're celebrating them being rescued and them coming back to the house of the Lord. Y'all, I want y'all to know, don't become a Pharisee. You ain't going to make it in heaven. I-, I want y'all to know, you can't come out here Sunday morning sitting down, dressing good, looking good, smelling good, and you ain't trying to rescue the folk that you call your brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the most powerful things, and i close, is this. We're going to have a brother's meeting after service, but one of the most powerful thing in that Bible to me is the subject of brothers. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that, really? You go throughout the, the Bible, and you come up with this word, brother. It's all over the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And I got to thinking, I said, you know, Cain and Abel were the first two Brothers. But the first murder that happened was between brothers. It's strange that brothers are still doing the same thing they did in the. (laughs) God takes the subject matter of brothers serious. You can go from Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, the 12 tribes. The twelve disciples, you can go on and on and on. The sons of Noah, right? You can go on and on and on. God takes this subject matter very serious. Brothers. It is found throughout the entirety of the Bible. A brother is born for adversity. It's one of the scriptures. A brother is born for adversity. When you're going through your struggles in life, you know who should come to your help? Your brother. He's born for hard times. For difficult moments. He's born for adversity. You shouldn't be running over here like a chicken with no neck. Your brother should be there for you. But even a brother can become a Pharisee and look over you instead of helping you beside yourself. The spirit of a Pharisee is alive and well. And you probably haven't thought about it, but every time you refuse to do good is the spirit of a Pharisee. Whenever you see a lost sheep out there but you say nothing to him is the spirit of a Pharisee. Whenever you come in contact with your sister in the supermarket, but you're never trying to rescue her, is the spirit of a Pharisee. Whenever you can talk on the phone with people who no longer is in the flock of God, is the spirit of a Pharisee. God will judge all the Pharisees dead and those that are alive. I stopped by today to tell you, I hope that we can stay in the 99 because I would not want to be a part of any flock. Who is the 99 and when the one sheep goes out, nobody goes out to find it. Church, I want to be a part of a flock that when sheep go out, that the rest of the 99 says, oh, no, 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 no. We can't go home until we go out and we find that sheep. And when we bring it back, we're going to throw one of the biggest celebrations that we ever had. Because our brother was lost but now he's found. Y'all, I want you all to know something. Don't wipe your eyes. Don't dry your tears. Y'all, when a sheep is left in the wilderness, the sheep is by himself, defenseless. The sheep does not have any type of defense mechanism. A sheep is a matter of time before the sheep Dies. It's a matter of time. Before the sheep. Dies. It's a matter of time. Before the sheep. Dies. I don't know how many sheep we got out there. But if nobody. Goes after those sheep. It's a matter of time before they die. Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's your duty, it's your obligation to go out and rescue until we find. Bring the sheep back. You should not be able to rest. Spiritually. Until every corner has been searched. Until every lost sheep. Someone has made an effort attempt. To bring the sheep back. And I like what Jesus says. He says the shepherd goes out until. Until. Until he finds it. Never stop looking until the Lord takes breath out of you. Be busy looking for the lost sheep of Israel. That's my lesson to you today. It's a wonderful feeling when somebody comes to you and you've been lost for six months. You've been lost for a year. It's a wonderful feeling when somebody knocks on your door and say, hey, we miss you. We love you. We're just checking up on you. It's a wonderful feeling when you're a sheep wandering by yourself wanting to come back to God, but you don't have no lead way to come back. And when somebody comes to reach out for you, oh, the joy that you feel that somebody loves me enough to leave the 90 and 9 just for little oh me if you're not a child of god you come by hearing his word believing the same repenting of your sins confessing christ putting them on in water baptism if you're a child of god you stand in need of prayer this is the opportunity for you to ask god for strength maybe you need wisdom maybe you need knowledge whatever it is if you have sinned ask god to forgive you as together we stand and together we sing the invitation song why don't you come there's a why don't fountain. you come Do you